am Phil Valdez, the lead pastor of Passion Life Church here in Marietta, California. I just wanted to take a moment and thank you for listening to these messages that are coming out of our church. If these messages have impacted your life, we'd love to hear from you. You could send us an email at contact at passionlifechurch.com. That's contact at passionlifechurch.com. Again, thanks for listening. Excited to be in church this morning. It's good to be back. We were out of town this last week, and uh, Samuel uh, Duth did a great job last week. We uh, got invited to our previous church, who were celebrating 40 years of ministry. Our pastor not only founded the church, um, but he is still the pastor after 40 years. Um, just incredible, incredible. They have two locations now. One location on the east side is, seats about 3,600 people, and then they just opened up their new campus on the uh, west side. It seats about 2,000 people, and they're doing about 19,000 people on the the weekend. Isn't that awesome? Just so exciting to see the legacy of the consistency of our pastor. You know, some people don't stick with things long enough to see it grow, to see it fulfilled. I think one of the greatest things that we were able to see is that uh, they were turning over some of the ministry now to their son and and their daughter, and uh, just great to be a part there. I was the youth pastor there for 11 and a half years. It was great. It was great to see a lot of the students that we raised up. We had about uh, 750 to 800 students that would come every week to hear the word of God. And now many of them are in the worship team, leading in the worship. Many of them are on ministry teams, not only just a part, but leading in their families and they're having kids. And so it was just great to be a part. And I just appreciate you being here, and Samuel did a, a phenomenal job, and, and we're just excited to be back and to get into what God has for us. And so, welcome to part five of this series that we've been calling, This is the Victory. And what we've been doing in this series is we've just been focusing on faith, and faith, and how it's developed, and, and how do we use our faith. And let's look at our theme scripture this morning that we've been looking at, First John 5, 4. This is where we get the title of this series. It says this, for everyone, can you say it with me? Come on, let's say the scripture together. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. For this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So how do we overcome? We overcome with our faith. And this scripture is telling us that there's going to be times, and even as a child of God, that you're going to experience circumstances. You're going to experience situations that are going to come. How many of you know we live in an imperfect world? We live in a fallen world. How many of you figured out that life just isn't fair sometimes? And even as a child of God, the Bible tells us we're going to have to overcome some things. And maybe for some of you, it was a diagnosis that's been given that you just weren't ready for. And, uh, you know, that was kind of uh, shocking. Maybe it's, you know, you went and you, you fought for our country and you came back and now you have PTSD. And, you know, or maybe you were just a product of, a, of abusive relationships. Somebody has hurt you and now you don't want to get involved with anyone anymore. And 
And I just got to tell you that I think sometimes we are just taught to believe we just got to like cope with these kind of things. And we're just going to have to endure these kind of things. But you know what? My Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, that for everyone that is born of God overcomes the world. Not just tolerates, not just survives, but overcome the world. So I am saying to you today that you can overcome that bad diagnosis. I'm saying to you today that you can love again. Come on, somebody. That you can overcome, that you can be healed. And the reality of it is, is that as a child of God, you're actually empowered to overcome. God's given us faith. He's given you what you need to overcome. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about mountain moving faith. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And let me just kind of set up the scene of what's happening. And Jesus is walking and he sees a fig tree. And he sees this fig tree, but he just sees the leaves. He doesn't see any fruit. He just sees the leaves. How many of you know that God wants our lives to bear fruit? And we're going to do a whole series called Fruitful. We're going to talk about Jesus not only says that he wants you to bear fruit, he wants you to bear much fruit. Because when you bear much fruit, it glorifies God in heaven. But Jesus sees this fig tree and he's like, you know what? There is no fruit on this fig tree, just the leaves. And so what Jesus does is he curses the fig tree. I don't know about you, but I thought that's pretty interesting. You know, uh, there's not, I, when I look through the Bible, I mean, Jesus cursed something? Man, this must be a, why is he cursing the fig tree? Well, when you do some study, you realize that fig leaves were what Adam and Eve used to cover themselves when they sinned. And it was never God's intent that we cover ourselves. It was God's intent that he would send his son so he could cover us. And what's interesting is that fig leaves represent self-righteousness. And so in Adam and Eve's attempt to cover themselves, Jesus looks at the fig tree and this is what he sees. He sees that there's no fruit. So he curses it. And this is actually what Jesus says. He says, let no one eat fruit from this tree ever again. What was Jesus telling us? That there is no fruit that will come from self-righteousness. No good fruit can come from self-righteousness. And so what's happening is that they, he curses the tree and the next day they come back and Peter looks, he's like, wow, this tree, it's withered up. It's, it's dead. And Jesus begins to talk to us about how to use our faith. Did you find math, Mark chapter 11, verse 22? Let's read. It says this. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. The literal Greek translation here is have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. You and I, the faith that God has put inside of you, is the literal God kind of faith. So Jesus says, he says, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, And does not doubt in his heart, but what? Come on, let's say that loud. But what? But believes that those things which he says will be done. 
he will have whatever he says. What's interesting, he says, whosoever says, and whosoever says can have whatsoever, he says. So whosoever's can have whatsoever's. Listen, he says, and then verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, here's that word again. What is it? Come on, say it loud. Can we say that louder? Come on. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You know, when you look at Jesus's life, when he was here on the earth, Jesus spoke to stuff. He spoke to a fig tree. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waves. He actually, when the disciples woke him up in the storm and they said, don't you care about us? Jesus got up and he spoke to stuff. He said, peace be still. And guess what? The storm calmed. Jesus walked up to a blind man. He walked up to a blind man and Jesus asked this question. He said, you know what? What do you want me to do for you? That's a simple question. Isn't that obvious? Come on, Jesus, that's so obvious. Why would Jesus want a blind man to answer what he wanted him to do? You know why? Jesus wanted the blind man to make a declaration of what he wanted. He wanted him to speak out. Because you know what? The blind man could have said, well, I want to pray for my cousin Paco. And Jesus would have said, your cousin Paco is blessed. Right? That's what the blind man could have said. But he didn't say that. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And here's what the blind man said. Listen to this. The blind man said, that I might receive my sight. My church family That is a declaration of faith. He says, I want to receive my sight. And guess what? He received his sight. Maybe this will help some of us. How many of you know that even before you pray, he already knows what you have need of? How many of you know that? Can we agree on that? So that's interesting. So he says he knows what I have need of. And then he says this, you have not because what? Because you ask not. What? Then he says this, ask and it shall be given unto you. So here's what people do. Well, God already knows what I need. So God, I'm not seeing those needs met. Yeah, but you're taking one scripture and not looking at all the other scriptures because here's what God wants you to do. God wants you to ask. What's in the ask? The ask is declaration. The ask is you are speaking what you need. You are acknowledging that need and saying, God, and then you make a declaration. That's why I always like to say this. Faith has a big ask. Come on, somebody. A-S-K. Asking is my part. Answering my prayer is God's part. You don't have to answer your own prayers. All you have to do is ask. Woo, thank you, Jesus. You know, my part is seek. The Bible says that God will be found, but here's what he says. Seek me, and guess what? You will find. Ask, and it will be given. Knock, and the door will be open. Well, there's no open doors. You're not knocking. I'm not getting answers to my prayer. Are you asking? See, because the asking is the declaration. There's my part, and then God does his part. So how do I move mountains with my faith? I think this is a great example because Jesus is about to teach us. Now, I believe that the whole Bible is God inspired. I believe, how many of you believe that this is God breathed? It's God inspired. But I was telling somebody the other day 
you know, when you talk with people about the Bible, a lot of people have questions. They, they interpret scripture the way that they think. And I was telling this person, one of the things I've learned is when I am talking with people about the Bible, but something happens when we say, Jesus said. It like gives everything perspective. And today we're going to learn a majority of faith today by Jesus. We're going to look at Paul a little bit today. But you know what? We're going to learn faith from what Jesus said. How many think Jesus is a great example? There was a reason. Good, two of you. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're inspiring me with your, your energy. It's amazing. How many of you think Jesus is a good example of faith? He's a good example of faith. All right. I'm going to have to start making that coffee a little stronger in the lobby. Come on, somebody. So we're going to learn from Jesus about faith. How do we use faith to move mountains? Well, let's look at what Jesus said. Let me give you four ways. Here's number one. Faith is released when I speak. Faith is released when I speak. Faith is released in words. The Bible says, Jesus said this, that I am to speak to the mountain. Now, what is the mountain? The mountain is anything that is standing between you and the fulfillment of God's promise in your life. It's anything that is standing between you and, between you and the fulfillment of God's promise in your life. Now, notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say that we deny mountains. He says we speak to them. Faith doesn't deny a condition. Faith doesn't say there's not a mountain there, faith speaks directly to the mountain. And Jesus said that I am supposed to speak to the mountain. Why speak to the mountain? Because as I speak, guess what? Faith is released. Now check this out. God has given each and every one of us, what? A measure of faith. I love this about God. You will always find when he calls you to do something, he empowers you to do it. If he wants you to overcome, he will give you the faith that you need to overcome. He never asks you to do something that he will never empower you to do. See, the reality of it is, is today, as a child of God, you have faith. Come on, look at your neighbor real quick and say, you have faith. You have faith. So you already inside of you have the faith of God. The very faith that God has, the very faith that God used, you have that. You are going to understand that this is how God functions. In the beginning, what did God do? The Bible said, he said, let there be light. And what? There was light. Why was there light? Because that's God using his faith when there was no light and there was disorder. God spoke into something that was not there and said, let there be light. Why? Because faith is released in our words. Listen, what's inside of you comes outside of you through your words. So the faith that's on the inside of me is expressed outside of me in my words. How does what's in me get out of me? Through my words. Through my words. Some of you are like, I need to watch what I'm saying now. That's right. Right? Because some of you are like, man, I feel like stuff. I can't say that other word in church. And your words. You speak your words. Right? And that's how faith is released. And so when faith is released, listen, what overcomes the world? What overcomes the world is our faith. So I have to begin to speak. And since the victory is won by faith, faith is released when I speak. And I'm supposed to speak what? God's word to the mountain. 
Pastor Phil, I just think this is so interesting, talking about speaking to mountains. Really? I've watched my wife speak to a spider. I've seen my wife and heard my wife. Ah, what's up? What's going on? Is it an earthquake? Whatever. Now there's a spider. Look. And he's literally like this big. And she'll go get that broom and she'll start talking to that spider. And you come in my house. I can't believe you come into my house. Go get that broom. I can't believe you come in my house. You know, come in my house. There you go, spider. Right? The guys are laughing. I'm coming for you two guys. Guys talk to the television. Especially during football season. They will stand up on their couch and they will talk to the television. Go, go, come on, come on, fumble. Come on, you'll throw an interception. Like if they can hear you, like if they care. But the reality of it is you think they do, right? Come on, go, I can't believe you did. Come on, yeah, right? And it's like we do this all the time. We speak to things. Why? Because it's in our heart and we, we speak. And this is what Jesus is telling us. When there's a mountain, a problem in our life, here's what you need to do. You need to speak to that mountain. But here's what happens sometimes. Instead of speaking to the mountain, we speak to God about the mountain. In other words, we'll tell God how big our mountain is. But in reality, what we should do is we should tell our mountain how big our God is. That's what we need to do. We need to speak to that mountain, to the mountain, not just about the mountain. Because some of us I have found are mountain experts. We know the dimensions of our mountain. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes, right? We're, we Google mountains. God, you need to know about my mountain. And here's it is. And I know because I Googled it. We Google about our mountains, right? We're experts about our mountains. And here's one of the things a lot of people do is they claim their mountains. It's my mountain. You know, I've been diagnosed with diabetes. I hear people say this, it's my diabetes, Oh, really? You've claimed it? You, that's yours? Pastor Phil, you know, I suffer from ADD, right? Can I just ask you this? Who doesn't suffer from ADD? <laughs> I suffer from ADD, ADHD, AT&T, Verizon Wireless. All that's going on right here. Fios, Frontier, as they switch. But here's what people say. Oh, my ADD's kicking in. Oh, it's yours. So the devil gave it to you, and you're like, yeah, I'll take it. It's mine. I hear people say, my arthritis. Oh, wow. So the devil threw some arthritis your way and you're like, it's mine. And you know what you do? Is we claim that. We make the mountain my mountain. My problems. My, listen, if the devil throws me back some arthritis, I'm going to throw it right back. We call that bouncing it off. Can I bounce this off of you? So when he comes and says, hey, can I bounce this off of you? I said, sure, because it's going to bounce right off me. Come on, somebody. But we make it mine, you know? I'm hurt. I, I'm suffering. And it's, I just wish sometimes if we would only know more about God's promises than we would about our mountains. But my church family, what I want us to know today regarding faith is that you have a part to play. You have a part to play. See, but we want God to do what he has already given us the power and the authority to do. Can we go just a little deeper this morning? 
Because I believe this is life-changing. See, you're waiting on God to move your mountain. God's waiting on you to speak to the mountain. Let me try this side over here. You're waiting on God to move the mountain, and God's waiting on you to speak to the mountain. You need to speak to the mountain. You need to speak to it. That's what Jesus says. See, God is not going to do what you can do. God's going to do what you can't do. He's already giving you the voice, the authority, the power to be able to speak to the mountain. Can I just tell you, I can do the possible, but only God can do the impossible. See, I can do the natural. I can ask. I can seek. But you know what? I can do the natural, but only God can do the supernatural. But it's like we want God to do the natural. No, you do the natural. You ask. You seek. You speak to that mountain. And it's like we're waiting for God to move the mountain. And God's like, hey, guess what? I'm waiting on you to speak. That's why I keep saying, listen, earth is not waiting on heaven. Heaven is waiting on you to do what you need to do. And for some of us, we're praying that God would move stuff, heal us. And guess what? He said, look, I give you a voice. I gave you a mouth. Speak to it in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Start using what I have given you. And so mountain-moving faith is released when I speak. Is this good this morning? I got to warn you. I should have warned you. I'm really excited today. I haven't preached for a week. So I got a lot of stuff to say and a lot of energy built up on this little place in my heart, and it's going to explode. So watch out. That's why nobody sits in the front row. It's like Gallagher. They're thinking something's going to happen. Something will happen. So mountain-moving faith, how does it happen? Faith is released when I do what? When I speak. Here's number two. Mountain-moving faith happens because my believing drives my speaking. You know, the driving force behind what you say is what you believe. It's what you believe. Your words come from what you believe. So here's the question. What are you speaking over your life? I want to speak what God says over my life. Remember the children of Israel were about to to go into the promised land. Samuel said this last week. I heard the message. Great. He says, you know, a lot of times God will give you something, but he expects you to take it. The promised land was for them, but it had giants in it. And God says, you can do this. In other words, God was saying, you are a giant killer. Go in there and take the land. But people come back and they said, you know what? We look like grasshoppers in their sight. And in our own sight, we're grasshoppers. And you know what they spoke over their lives? They spoke, we are grasshoppers. And yet God was saying, no, you're giant killers. Do you know what you say over your life can determine whether you fail or whether you succeed, whether you overcome or you don't? The Bible says, what a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so I got to speak what God says over my life. And my believing drives my speaking. You know, Paul talks about this too. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul writes this. He says, it is written. Come on, say this with me. I what? I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also what? Believed and therefore speak. So listen. My believing drives my speaking. 
My believing drives my speaking. And here's the great thing about believing. God has made it so every one of us can believe. You know, God didn't say, if you want to be saved, you got to get down on your knees, right? And do a pilgrimage all the way to Jerusalem, right? He didn't say that. You know what he said? All you have to do is believe. And here's the cool thing. You know why? Every single one of us can believe. But what you believe is important. And so believing is a choice. Can I ask you a question, Passion Life Church, this morning? Do you believe that God can move the mountains when you speak? Do you believe that mountains can be moved? You know what the Bible says? All things are possible to him that what? Believes. Believes. The gospel is so simple. It just takes really educated people to make it complicated. It's so simple. The Bible says all things are possible to him that believes. But we need to understand this. Believing happens in our heart. It happens in our heart. This is what the Bible says. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Look, this is how we received Jesus. This is how we became sons of God. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and what? Where's that word again? Come on, say it. And believe in your, in your where? In your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Look at the next verse, verse 10. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith that you are saved. Notice it says there, with your heart you believe. See, there can be a lot of stuff going on in your head, but once your heart is hooked, I remember when I started uh, courting my wife and dating. I mean, I didn't know she'd be the, my wife at the time. But you know, I mean, we all go through that. The first, you know, ooh, now some of you are like, well, I'm gonna marry her. I wasn't like that at first. I had a lot going on. Okay, maybe, yeah, you know, this, that. But here's the reality. When my heart got hooked on it, my head was just like, my heart is going. Now, I do believe you need to use your heart and your head. Come on, have some wisdom. But the Bible says that in reality, our believing is in our heart. And when we believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he died and he rose again and we confess it, that's how we're saved. We're saved by faith. It's not by your works. It's not how bad you did or how good you did. It's actually we are saved by faith. My church family, how do you overcome? You overcome by faith. You're saved by faith, but you also overcome by faith faith. And so believing happens in our heart. So here's what Jesus is saying. Our response to the mountain is we need to believe and speak. We need to believe and speak to it. We need to believe God's promises and speak God's promises. I believe, therefore I speak. I believe, therefore I speak. See, your heart is almost, it's kind of like a hinge on the door, right? And that's your heart. It's going to hinge towards faith or it's going to hinge towards doubt. Which one is it? Guess what? You choose. You get to choose whether you're a believer. You get to choose. And that's why what's going on in our hearts is so critical. Because what's going on in your heart is going to come out your mouth. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, 
the mouth speaks. One translation says it this way. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. The overflow of your heart. So my believing drives my speaking. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Here's number three. We're talking about mountain moving faith. Here's another way we need to understand. Number three, this one's my favorite. We need to have a remove it type attitude towards our mountains. I like to say it this way, a remove it and cast it type attitude. You know what? Jesus said, who said? Jesus said to speak to the mountain. Now listen, because I think what's funny is that people's perception of Jesus, because Christmas is going to be coming pretty soon, like little baby Jesus, he's so cute, you know, and God just loves us and he loves us unconditionally, you know, and all that is true. But listen to these words that Jesus is about to say. Because that little baby Jesus that grew up, became a man and loves you, he's got some attitude. Listen to what he says about the mountains. He says, tell the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. That Jesus, loving Jesus, who loves us all, right? He loves us, but he doesn't want you to love your mountain. He wants you to speak to the mountain and say, be removed and cast into the sea. In other words, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. Let me say another thing that Jesus said, because some of you may not believe that Jesus actually said this. Jesus said, for this purpose, I was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said that? Yeah. Jesus said that the whole purpose for him coming was to seek and save that was lost and destroy the works of the enemy. My church family, does that sound passive to you? To me, destroy, annihilate are not passive words. Jesus said, the reason why I'm here is to destroy the works of the enemy. And so I'm supposed to have this attitude toward, not towards people, towards mountains, towards the things that are coming, towards sickness, towards disease, towards situations that are holding me back, that are coming between me and the promises of God. Here's the attitude I'm supposed to have. Remove it and cast it into the sea in Jesus' name. That's not passive. Now, let me just be honest with you. If you remain passive, you will remain a victim. See, I understand there's the initial shock of things that are happened to you, but here's the question, because we can't control what's happened to us, but we can control what happens in us. And so now what are you going to do? See, a lot of people are passive. A lot of people are passive about sickness. And I'm going to tell you why. And I'm just, I'm praying that you'll understand this because this loving Jesus who said, remove it and cast into the sea, have this attitude towards this mountain. It's not a passive attitude. Can I just tell you, listen to what Jesus did not say about the mountain. He did not say this. He didn't say, pray that the mountain will be adjusted. He didn't say that. He didn't say, pray this. Oh, or say this. Oh, dear mountain. You are here to keep me humble. See, there's teaching today that says 
And, and my heart goes out to people because some people don't know if the mountain's from God. They think the mountain that, and, and listen, I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box, but why would Jesus tell me to have an attitude of remove it and cast it if he gave it to me? I don't understand that. And there are people when they look at their mountain, they're like, well, maybe God gave me this mountain. So the same God that gave it to you is the God that tells you to remove it. Guys, God is not schizophrenic. So here's part of the battle. Some people have weird mountain theology. Can I say a pause for a minute? That's why it matters what church you go to. It matters what teaching you sit under. I actually believe that what church you go to can actually be the defining between life and death because you know why? There's situations that come that are life-threatening and you better not want to be in one of those situations going, I don't know, maybe this mountain's from God. You want people in your corner going, you know what? We're going to speak to this mountain. Come on, we're going to speak to this disease. Come on, we're going to tell this thing to go, to be removed and cast into the sea. Jesus said that. I don't want people in my corner when I'm facing something that's life-threatening going, well, you know what? We don't know. This, God could have gave you that mountain. Right? Notice what Jesus didn't say to pray. Oh, dear mountain. Oh, dear mountain. I know you're here in my life to teach me something. Oh, dear mountain. I know you're here to keep me humble. Some people believe that. Listen, notice what Jesus didn't say to say. Oh, dear mountain, I know you're here. So I'm just going to live with you, cope with you, and tolerate you. I'm going to go a little bit deeper because I really want to help you overcome. See, some people have, I call, whatever syndrome. Whatever. It's kind of interesting because it sounds spiritual. God, if you want to remove this mountain... Just do whatever you want to do, God. You hear people say out of their mouth, whatever. God, I really want to get married. I really do. Just send me whoever. (laughs) Then the mailman shows up. The guy selling vacuum shows up. You wouldn't pray that regarding a spouse. Right? Right? And some people have a whatever type vocabulary, whatever. Oh, this, this, I'm going to just be honest with you. If you ever say this around me and I start twitching or itching, it's because it bothers me. This phrase, whatever happens, happens. E, e. I've heard people with a diagnosis from the doctor and they say, this is what the doctor says, but whatever happens Oh, no. We don't look to the mountain and say, mountain, whatever you want to do. God, whatever. That's not what Jesus said to do. God, if you want this mountain removed, please remove the mountain. I know you are all powerful. I know you are sovereign. 
God is sovereign. And that sovereign God says, you need to start get a little attitude about you, about the mountain, not a whatever about the mountain. And you need to look at the mountain and say, you be removed and cast into the sea. Remove it and cast it. You know what? Not just so it's removed, but cast into the sea means that it's not there anymore and you can't see it anymore. That is releasing your faith into the atmosphere to remove mountain. My church family, we have mountain moving faith on the inside of us. Let me say it again. You have mountain moving faith if you would get your mouth to move. Come on. I had to get a little attitude on that one because that was what the point called for. When I preach teaching and I teach preaching to people, you can't get up there and say, I'm so excited today. You can't do that. I can't tell you to have a little bit of attitude and say, come on, guys, have some attitude about the mountain. You can't do that, right? So if he's having, and I'm kind of being serious here. Because let me just tell you, sickness does not come to play with you. Sickness comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And you need to know that there are mountains, and you may be facing right now a mountain of depression. People do. In my church family, You need to speak to that depression and say, depression, in Jesus' name, I command you to go. And I always like to add a scripture because the joy of the Lord is my strength. See, you can pray. I was talking with somebody two weeks ago who is battling some things in their life and uh, they've had some, it's been tough. And uh, they told me, they haven't been able to walk too well. I mean, just all of a sudden, last six months, like just, man, really tough. And they said this, and it's what we've been saying. They said, you know, I've been praying, but I've realized I can't just pray. I have to get up out of bed and start to walk. That's faith. And they were in service. And I said, seeing you here at service has inspired my faith because I know you're having trouble walking. But you know what? They were walking, even though like this. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? They were walking and they were moving forward. See, we can pray all day and never move. You can pray all day and never really speak to something and address something and tell it to get out of your life. Let me just tell you this morning, you do not have to live with depression in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's give him a great round of applause. And maybe you're struggling with sickness today. You know what? I like to call stuff by name. That's really why I go to the doctor. I go to the doctor. I think doctors are great. Love them. But you know what? They're not the final word in my life. This is the final word in my life. Jesus, the Bible says, he is the great physician. So yes, I go for checkups, but I really like to go because the doctor will give me a name. And so I can address the name of whatever they've given me with the name above every name. And so I, I like to have names. Okay, you know what? It, maybe you're struggling with arthritis. You need to speak to that arthritis and say, arthritis, in the name of Jesus, you have to be removed and cast into the sea. You got to speak to it. Lack, be removed and cast into the sea. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. You know what you're doing? You're speaking faith into that lack. You're speaking to that mountain. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, for surely I say to you, whosoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Hear that attitude? Listen, here's the next step. 
and does not doubt in his heart. But what? What's that word? Come on, say it loud. But believes, but believes that those things that he says will be done. Now, there's an assumption here that Jesus is making. The assumption that he's making here is that when you speak, you're speaking his word. So I can have what I say, listen, because Jesus said it. I'm not just saying random things. Like, right, a single woman can't say, I claim George Clooney for my husband in Jesus' name. Right? Right, guys, we can't just say, Lord, I just pray for J-Lo. Lord, I pray for Jenny from the block that she would, you know, I mean, we can't, that's not, that's not what he's saying here. And I, I want to, you know, I see my friend and they have a, a great, beautiful new Mercedes. And I say, I want that Mercedes. That's not, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that you begin to say with your mouth what God has already said. So I am speaking, he says, but believe that those things that he says will be done and he will have whatsoever he says. So here's number four and the last one for today about mountain moving faith. Don't withdraw your heart. You know, the Bible says that he, if he'll speak and not doubt in his heart. You know, the word doubt in the New Testament, Greek has about three different definitions. This one right here is doubt, meaning don't withdraw. See, a lot of times what happens, and I just love this because Jesus knew, he knows us, that there's going to be times where you're going to be speaking to that mountain and you're going to be believing for those promises. And, you know, it just seems like that mountain doesn't move. And guess what the temptation's going to be? For us to withdraw in our heart. Why in our heart? That's where we believe. That's where we believe. And since we believe in our heart, you need to know there's a battle for your heart. There's a battle. I'm going to say it. I've been saying it through this series, and I want you to hear me. There's a lot going on in our nation. There's a lot going on in our nation. In many aspects, you need to be careful when you hear News. You need to be careful when you read stuff on Facebook that it doesn't get into your heart. Because once it gets into your heart, guess what? You can start speaking those things. And so what happens is as we speak to those things, you know what? We can withdraw our heart. For many years, um, I have had two discs that have been slipped in the back of my, my back. I have two discs that have been slipped um, through a car accident and another thing at work. And um, I say this to you because I think it's easy for you to think that as we stand up here and we preach and we talk, that everything in my life is great. Can I just tell you what I preach to you is stuff that I do every day. And I'm going to tell you, it works. It works. The other day, though, we were moving some stuff at our apartment. And, you know, I was grabbing boxes, going up stairs, downstairs, and all of a sudden, my back started to act up. And when my back acts up, it's not like, oh, my back hurts. It's like I can't get up. I can't get up off the floor. I mean, it's that intense. And what I'm telling you, and in those moments, I've had two years of just incredible healing in my back. I helped set up, and God has been great to me. But I moved some of them boxes, and it was a reminder. The mountain's kind of 
trying to come back. Here comes that mountain. And here's what I did. I'm on the floor because I'm hurting two days of moving. It hurt. But you know what I did? I spoke to them discs and I reminded those discs that those discs, you are healed and you will line up with the word of God. You are healed. And I told my body, body, line up with the word of God in Jesus name. Did I feel any better? I did not. But you know what I did? I tried to get up and I started to walk around and I said, in Jesus name, I am healed. But the temptation is to withdraw your heart. Now, when Jesus spoke to the storm, man, it boom, it happened, man. It happened immediately. And that's Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I am being conformed to the image of his son, but here's the reality into the image of Jesus. But you know what? I can speak what Jesus said. And I can speak in faith. And so sometimes it looks like that mountain is not moving. And here's what you need to do. You need to not withdraw your heart, right? Let me just say this. Do you think doubting is going to make it better? For some of us, man, maybe we're praying for our kids to serve God. We're praying. And do you think now all of a sudden when you withdraw, that's going to make it better? Don't you think it would be better to continue to believe and to speak? And Jesus knew. He's like, look, there's going to be a temptation. So don't doubt in your heart. Let me close with this. You know, man, real life's happening. This life, we live in a fallen world. We see the the hurricanes. We see all these things. You know what? Those were never God's intention. Those are all a result of a fallen world. But you know what? God got on me with these scriptures. And he says, you know, there's a lot of people praying that people will recover from the hurricanes. There's a lot of people praying that there will be relief. And those are good things. But the Lord through this spoke to me. He says, where are the Christians that are standing up and saying, wind, be still? Where are the Christians that are standing up and saying these hurricanes will be downgraded in Jesus' name? Where are we? You know what? We're sitting there and going, well, maybe this is the judgment of God. So we may not speak again. You know what? God loves people. We are in a fallen world and he's put us as the church to stand up and make a difference and to start speaking to these things. And the reality is because the church is not doing it, guess what? All hell's breaking loose and we need to stand up and start to use our words. And can I just encourage you next time you hear about the hurricanes, start to speak to them and say, in Jesus name, this will be downgraded. Jesus name, we need to start speaking. Come on, somebody. Instead of just watching, go, wow, that's pretty awful. (laughs) You have the power in the name of Jesus to speak. I want to close with this. You know, because we live in this fallen world, you know, we were, my wife and I were really excited when she was, was pregnant about a year after we were married. And when she gave birth, we, we went into a, 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 one of those just moments where it's between life and death. And we didn't know, the doctors didn't know, but um, she was losing blood really, really bad. Uh, and uh, it's even to this day, the doctors do not know what HELP syndrome is. Uh, when Mark was here, I don't know if you remember, our guest speaker, his cousin, a good friend of mine, his wife had a child. She had HELP syndrome and nearly lost her life. I mean, she was in the hospital for almost about two or three months because what happens is it starts eating your liver and and your liver starts eating the platelets. And so your blood doesn't clot. And so my wife, her blood pressure was shooting up to fatal levels, you know, and this is supposed to be, uh, <laughs> it's supposed to be a good time. It's supposed to be a good time in our lives. We're having our first child. 
Can I just tell you the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy? He doesn't care how cute you are. He doesn't care if this is your first kid, second kid. He doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to have joy. And the doctor said, look, here's the reality. We're going to try to induce labor. If she doesn't, if she doesn't have the child, we're going to have to go in and we're going to have to do a C-section. But here's the thing. If she does not stop bleeding, she'll bleed out and she'll die. And we may lose your son. It's like, wow. And so they go in and they, you know, they, 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 they do a C-section and take out my son. And, and so my, my wife comes out. And I'll tell you, that was probably the worst 24 hours of, of my life. But what are you going to do? Are you going to be passive? And say, whatever happens, God happens. What are you going to do? We want this child. The Bible says children are a blessing from God. That's my blessing. I'm not going to let anybody steal that from us. And my wife, she couldn't do anything. She was just there. And I thank God that in that room, there was five or six people, my dad and her parents. And we begin to speak life over her body. We begin to speak what the Bible says, you will live and you will not die in Jesus' name. And we begin to speak to the blood. We said, blood, you will clot in Jesus' name. My church family, she's alive and well and doing good. And my son is alive. But here's the reality. You can't be passive and overcome. Overcome is not a passive word. Or you can sit there and go, well, man, and I hear this, and sometimes I just want to hug people really strongly. Well, maybe this is what God wants. Would you be quiet? God's the one that gave her life. God's the one that gave her a purpose. God's the one that said that even before she was formed in the womb of her mother, God knew her and had a purpose for her. Don't tell me that God is doing this. You know what? You need to understand that it is the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy from your life. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life in abundance. And you know what the temptation was? To withdraw our heart. We're speaking and we're believing and speaking. And you know what? It didn't get better. They, used, they brought in platelets from the whole city. And she used up all the platelets uh, from the, that, that were brought in from the whole city. There was nothing else to do but believe and speak. And I want to be, I wanted to be honest with you. My heart was starting to just be and get withdrawn. And I thank God that people around me were like, come on, Phil, this is going to happen. She's going to live. And that's why I was telling you, be careful who's in your inner circle. You don't want people who are whatever. You want people in there believing with you and speaking. That's why life group is so important that you get involved around people who are going to stand with you when life goes rogue and you don't know what to do, that there's people that are saying, come on, this is the victory. Even your faith, come on, believe. You know, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful. Aren't you glad that God is faithful? He is faithful, that promise. You know that word profession there, hold fast to the profession. Profession in the Greek means this, to agree with, to say the same thing. God wants us when we speak to the mountain to say the same thing that he says. See, when my wife was going through that, what do you think God would say over her? That's what I began to speak. I began to speak that. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35 says this, therefore do not Cast away your confidence, which has great reward. That word confidence in the Greek is literally translated this, your boldness in speaking. See, because what happens is when you speak to that mountain and it looks like it's still there, you can get intimidated in your speaking. 
The writer of Hebrews, many people believe that it was Paul. In Hebrews, it says, in those moments, don't throw away your confession. Don't throw away the boldness in your confession. Continue to believe and speak. Continue to believe and speak. And I just wonder today, what mountains are in your life? If these messages have blessed you, we'd love for you to consider helping us take these messages to the world by giving a financial contribution. And you can do that at passionlifechurch.com. Click on the giving button and select the giving option that works best for you. Again, thanks for listening. If you're ever in the Marietta, California area, come join us. We'd love to see you. We'll make you feel right at home. Thanks again and God bless.